BS You're Wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And I'm Shelby and I'm here with Matt. And we are here on the last episode of 2018, which is oh, yeah. sort of sad, but also what a triumph that we have <laughs> lasted this long. We Most did podcasts it. have died off long before <laughs> they get to episode 23. So I know. good job, us. Yes, way to go. That's exciting. I forgot. This is this is it. This is the last for a little bit. Yeah, because next week is Christmas. So we're going to be taking a break. But then we'll be yeah. back with a vengeance for all the award show <laughs> shenanigans coming up in January and February, yes. which I am so excited about. <laughs> Lots Mm-mm-mm. to look forward to. Yes. But before we get started, I guess we should say that if you enjoy listening to us, if you want more content from us, you can follow <laughs> us on social media. We have Instagram, Twitter, PS You're Wrong, or sometimes on Facebook. We also have a <laughs> Gmail account, psyourwrong@gmail.com. Yeah, to check that. <laughs> if you want to, maybe people have been sending us emails and know, we just haven't like, been looking. Hello. But if you have one, you can send it there. Please do. And you should also leave us reviews on iTunes, or I don't know if other apps let you, but iTunes is the major one for us. So yeah, find for us on sure. every major every major podcast app to listen to. But send a little love our way on iTunes. Did we get a review this week? We did not, which is disappointing. <gasps> so come on, fans, do better. Oh no, so awkward. I shouldn't even mentioned it. I know. But I know. I can hopefully. make up a review. But. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, go into Targets or Apple stores and just log in and leave some nice notes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Can you do that? Because I, I could so. legitimately go to the Apple store that's like <laughs> yeah, by my every house and just, break. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just give us a good 30 reviews. <laughs> That'd be so helpful. No, we're not doing that, listeners. We're not going to inflate our own numbers. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, never mind. We rely on you, so... <laughs> I'll edit that out. I'll edit yeah. that out. That It won't be in the final cut. It'll be good. It'll be good. Yeah. But um, I'm excited for this week. I feel like there is a lot of drama, like all across the board. Pop culture was thriving this week. I don't know. Do you want to start? I'm interested to see what you'll pick up on. Yeah. I mean, there's so much stuff. And some of it I'm really excited to talk about. Some of it I'm sort of like, <laughs> meh, about or purposely avoided. Yeah. Uh, I guess let's start at fun things. So okay. the new season of Stranger Things, there was like a preview that was released that it's coming out in 2019. I think probably yeah. summer of 2019, but they gave some more details regarding exactly like what the season is going to entail. It's eight episodes. It's set in the summer of 1985, which is like a year after the last season was set. And I'm excited because this season seems to be focused around the mall that's in town. Mm-hmm. There's they release like the episode titles, which is strange to me. Do they? I know. Do TV shows normally do that? I don't think so. But, I mean, basically they're just trolling us because they give us these <laughs> titles. And then, of course, there's a million think pieces on Vulture.com that are like, what do right. the episode titles mean? Yeah. There's one that's has the name Susie in it. And they're like, there's not a character named Susie. So who is this oh. going to be? Like, who's the new character? But there's an episode called The Mall Rats. And there's also an episode that's called The Battle of Starcourt, which I guess is Starcourt is the name of the mall. So that so I'm I'm excited for like 80s mall drama to be <laughs> front and center for this season of Stranger Things. Like I feel like it can't get any better than that. Yeah, I know. I'm excited. I think it'll be fun. I love the show. 
But I didn't really pay attention because I was like, I don't need to know episode titles. I was like, why is this interesting to me? Tell me when there's a preview, you know? <laughs> I'm just so thirsty for it because I love Stranger Things. Well, you got me into Stranger Things back when Ooh. we were working together. You're right. You're like, you should watch this. And I was yes. like, uh, I don't know. Self-props and to me. I know. And now I'm obsessed. And I and they... <laughs> For whatever reason, they didn't start filming like right away after season yeah. two, despite the fact that they knew it was going to be big enough to have a season three. So I've been like waiting here, like, come on, guys, I, I need my fix. And these kids are not getting any younger. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, the last yeah. season came out last Halloween. So it'll be yeah. like well over a year and a half by the time oh, boy. this season comes out. That'll be fun. I have um less exciting news, I guess, which I feel like we should just get over with. You know, okay. <laughs> I think we're both okay. tired of talking about it. Kanye went on another Twitter rampage. Yeah. I'm sure you tuned it out or <laughs> mm-hmm. it wasn't that bad this time. Mostly he was upset at Drake for some reason. Drake had all his diss tracks on his album about Kanye. And I guess Kanye finally listened to him or something or no Drake asked Drake's team asked Kanye's team to use permission to use one of Kanye's songs as a sample. And so that triggered Kanye and he went on this day long Twitter rant about Drake and um, I mean just like crazy stuff it was just Kanye being Kanye he said that he never he was just like airing out their dirty laundry basically being like you got mad at me for things I never did I never told Pusha T about your son like that wasn't me you put me on this diss track like I'm the reason you can be you and then Kim Kardashian got involved and said yeah he paved the way for there to be a Drake. Never threatened my husband or our family because I guess Drake called and said something that like made Kanye feel threatened. But the interesting twist to the drama for me was this all happened on like Thursday, Friday, I think. Maybe Friday, Saturday. And Ariana Grande was having a song that was releasing at midnight right in this, right in this bubble. And so... She got on Twitter and was just like, she just said something that didn't call them out by name, but she was like, Hey, everybody, like, just a reminder that me and your girl, Miley Cyrus, are having songs dropping in an hour or so. I know there are grown men fighting on the internet, but how about you let the girls shine? And so I thought it was pretty funny and just like lighthearted, clever, just way to draw attention to her event. Well, Kanye got really upset about this. Did you see this? Yeah, I mean, sort like I saw the headlines. One of my cousins texted me and was like, "Oh, Kanye's going crazy on Twitter." I was like, "I'm like, I follow Kanye on Twitter, but I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to investigate this." <laughs> and then when I saw the the Ariana Grande, Pete Davidson, like somehow were oh, involved, yeah. and it was yeah, now it about like messy. mental illness. I was like, yeah. nope, nope, nope. <laughs> do not care. Do not I care. No, but it was just it was because Kanye then woke up and was like, man, he like mentioned Ariana Grande and was like, you know, it hurt my feelings. Like, you shouldn't come for someone with mental illness like that. Like, you made me feel insecurely made me you like triggered my anxiety basically really coming at her hard when she didn't to me make a joke about mental health and i was also confused because the last we had heard was kanye was like i did i was misdiagnosed with bipolar disorder i'm actually i just had sleep exhaustion like he said that in an interview after the white house um and kim kardashian had gotten on twitter and was like you guys need to stop saying he has mental illness like it's disrespectful to those who actually have it and like you're just weaponizing this and like he doesn't like he's just creative this is him speaking freely 
So I think it's just like a little unfair for him to come at Ariana like that because first of all, she wasn't like, LOL, this guy has bipolar disorder or whatever. He had already said that he didn't have mental illness. And so now he's like coming out and being like, hey, you did this to me. And so Ariana like felt really bad and apologized. And then the Pete Davidson thing happened, which was very sad. And I don't know if it was related to Kanye, but Pete Davidson did like make an Instagram post thanking Kanye for being outspoken on mental health. So anyways, it just got really messy. And I don't know. I just felt bad for Ariana at the end of it because like, I don't know, it just seemed unfair to kind of pile on top of her for making a one-off sort of Twitter mention. I mean, with these celebrities, they're <laughs> always like using each other to get more attention, which I think is definitely <laughs> what she was doing. But everybody else does the same exact thing. So I'm kind of, I don't know. I've, I've, I know. I've, I have zero <laughs> cares. I'm like, uh, whatever. How convenient for you. You just, you stand Kanye until he gets too annoying and then you just ignore everything he no, does. No, it's, uh, look, this has been a long drawn out saga <laughs> with Kanye and also with Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson that we have been talking about yeah. for months. I am just <laughs> at the point with all three of them where I'm like, you all need to like go on a vacation somewhere for two years. I don't want to hear from you. Like, <laughs> Let's get some new faces in the news, please, because I I can't uh, handle another like Ariana Grande story popping up about her doing something or Pete Davidson doing something or now Kanye West. Now the now the worlds are conjoining and they're all in the same <laughs> stories. Like, no, thank you. Like, all of you can leave. Thank you. Next, goodbye. Oh, nice Ugh. little promotion for Ariana. That's sweet, at least. So yeah. Shit. Yeah. And her new song was catchy. I really like it. Imagine. You should listen. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll... Yeah, whatever. People said thank you. When Thank You Next came out, I mean, I feel like we did talk about this with the yeah. music video, but everyone was like, this is such a bop. This is the best song ever. This is the greatest. Yeah. And then I was, listening to it. I was like... <laughs> uh, I mean, not exactly, but... Because um, we had this exact conversation. Yes, on we definitely podcast, did. So. But I had this conversation with like four other personal. people. Okay. And I was like... <laughs> This song is whatever. It's average. It's fine. <laughs> like, it mentions a bunch of people, which is the reason why people are into it. But anyways, <laughs> moving on. Let's let's Please. talk about, like, really briefly, just because I think this is funny, that some, like, really rich person in India got married and had Beyonce yes. perform at the wedding. And Hillary Clinton was also there, like, randomly dancing. It, it was such a crazy like otherworldly event to be following. I and I didn't like, realize the two stories were connected. I saw like the weird Hillary Clinton dancing story. I saw the weird Beyonce's performing at a wedding story. And then I realized it's the same event. Like this is insane. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. I mean, I wonder how much it costs to have Beyonce perform. Cause like, I wonder how much it costs. Like I can't imagine her. She doesn't like have a personal attachment to them. Does she? No, I don't think so. So it just had to be good enough money. It's crazy. Yeah, it's not like Malia Obama got married or something and she performed right. there. <laughs> and you also have to think, like, the optics of being someone who is paid to sing at a wedding, I feel like would not be Beyonce's first choice of thing. Right. So I feel like it must have been a it lot been of huge. money. huge, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's he's like the wealthiest man alive, right? Or wealthiest man in India or something. Like, do you think it was like several million dollars? Because I it feel like that's what be. it would had to have been. Yeah, no, it had to be. I mean, how I would be interested to see like how much she got paid for like 
Coachella because I feel like it would have to be similar. Like, I mean, I guess it was only one song or something. I don't know. But it had to be an obscene amount of money to like motivate her to do something so out of blue, out of the blue, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so random. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if only and I had that has amount to, of money. Yeah. Now she has to deal with everyone asking her to perform at weddings. She'll have to admit at some point that, hey, if you're not going to like re- give me like $50 million, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, which is wild. What a what a life to have, you know? <laughs> How much money do you think it would cost to get Taylor Swift to perform at your wedding? Well, I guess you already have a wedding, so <laughs> your baby's I don't baptism. Know. <laughs> I mean, she that's the thing though, is Taylor Swift has been known to pop up at weddings of her fans, whereas I don't I've never heard of Beyonce doing anything like it. Not that she has to or whatever, but it's just like for so for Taylor Swift, I'm like, oh, I mean, for the right story, she'd probably do it for at least a not obscene amount. But Beyonce's Beyonce, you know? Would you want Taylor Swift to show up at your wedding? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Why wouldn't I? Who wouldn't, you know? I mean, I, I guess that's true for you. What I don't know. I, well, I feel like there's a thing where it's your wedding and you want it to be like your right. day and then to yeah. have somebody show up who's like a celebrity. I mean, it would totally like sideline it. I mean, right. I, I like hate the stories of like celebrities who are just happening to stay in hotels, crashing people's weddings. Like I don't like wedding crashers. I think that's annoying, but if it was like you knew or someone in your party had organized this in advance, you know, then that's totally different. Yeah, I guess that's true. But I did get really annoyed during Maroon 5's music video where they crashed all the weddings because I was like, That's what I, was I thinking. would hate that. <laughs> I hate Maroon 5. So I'd be like, what are you doing here? Get out. <laughs> I didn't want you. But that turned out I did out to love that song, though. Yeah, it was a good song. <laughs> are you? Well, okay. So I, I didn't, I wasn't going to bring this up. But now that we're talking about Maroon 5. Are you excited for them at the Super Bowl? It's, it's no. weird because I feel like they're fun. And I think that it'll be a good concert. They have lots of good songs. But apparently nobody wants to perform with them at the yeah. Super Bowl because of the like Colin Kaepernick yeah. shenanigans. I don't, it's, uh, I don't know. I was surprised that people wouldn't. I mean, I guess I'm not surprised, but at the same time, I'm like, that's a huge deal to get to perform there. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I get it. I think football one is on its way out, which it probably doesn't seem like it because it still does get a huge following, but it's not necessarily these artists like main fan bases, you know, there's Mm -hmm. not like a huge overlap for them. So it's probably not worth the the metrics if they were to be like, yeah, I'll perform even though I stood with Colin Kaepernick or whatever. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know why they have to have guests all the time. Like Lady Gaga did great and uh, Beyonce, no, Beyonce, did she do alone or did she have? Well, she, Destiny's Child showed up when she performed. Oh, that's right. That was right. But she yeah, actually so did it, I, I think, know. like two years in a row because then she showed up for Coldplay's yeah. <laughs> set. Yeah. Coldplay needed all the help they could get. I love Coldplay. But... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but um, I uh, I have some other news, but it's sort of it's sort of sad news too. So <laughs> sorry gosh. about that. But it was interesting because Nicki Minaj has um, been posting about her new boyfriend, and I don't know if you saw any of this, but people realized they found out who he was, and he's oh, like a registered yes. he's like a registered sex yeah. offender and was convicted of manslaughter. And so I guess they knew each other when she was a teenager in the in Brooklyn or the Bronx or something. And so he's a little older, but she was like 16 when they first met and dated a little. 
And so anyways, people were like pretty upset because he was convicted of attempted rape with a 16 year old when he was about 16 too. And so, I mean, whatever gray lines, I don't know. It's hard to say that's like their business. But then he was, you know, convicted of manslaughter too, like straight up killed a guy. And so anyways, Nikki's been on Twitter really defending him and like in the Instagram comments, like digging through all these like (laughs) hateful responses to their relationship and she was just like you can't run my life you don't even have your life under control like this is my business like step off basically but it's just making it hard to kind of like I just feel like she's showing more and more that there's like this sort of I don't know it's like because she still worked with six nine after he had that whole um, sex offender case which wasn't for rape but it was just like I don't know he filmed some minor or something and so it's just like she's just continuing kind of to disregard public opinion for better or worse and in this case I think it's kind of for worse because everyone's sort of like turned off by this new relationship because it's sort of iffy to me see here's the thing with this situation and with Nicki Minaj, I think, is that people like her because she is so, like, brash and will say (laughs) things that other people won't say. And I think that probably in, like, 2010 or whenever when she kind of came on the scene, these things were not, like, these kind of, like, questionable life choices that she made were less, people were less likely to not like her because of that. We're now in 2018 where everything is, like, super politically correct and, like, very hypersensitive and you have all these people on Twitter, like, combing through every detail of your life that if you're, if you're dating somebody who was a sex offender 10 years ago or whatever, like, people are going to bring that out and then expect you to have to deal with it. So, (laughs) on one hand, I'm like, this doesn't necessarily surprise me. This seems like something that Nicki Minaj has always, like, she's always been kind of like doing her own thing and who cares if you don't Mm -hmm. like it. And then I'm also a little bit like if you're, uh, you know, it's like, it's her relationship. She's choosing to be in it. She's an adult. He's an adult. Like, yes, he did bad things. And like, would I choose to (laughs) uh, like be dating him? No. But if she wants to do that and that's her choice, like it seems like we'll let her do it. I don't see (laughs) I don't see a reason why, like, we should be going around policing who exactly people are (laughs) dating. That feels like the Middle Ages to me. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, it is weird. And I mean, you saw the same sort of thing with um, Offset and Cardi B because they broke up and Offset admitted to cheating. And now he everyone's telling her to take him back. And it's like no one's everyone's like, whoa, guys, don't tell her how to live her life. That's weird. She should definitely not go back with the cheating ex. But. Yeah, people love to get in each other's business. I know. I mean, we also love to get in their business, <laughs> but it. yeah. but <laughs> it's a weird catch-22. <laughs> yeah. So the last thing that I have, well, a couple of things that are sort of together on my weekly Oscar watch update as oh, we're going yeah. on. So first off, we talked last week about how, how Kevin Hart's not hosting the Oscars anymore. But it came out this week that there might not be a host at all. That the Oscars are like, nobody wants to do it. It's not worth the hassle. So they're thinking about maybe just like splitting it up and having presenters like do a little bit more. How do you feel about that? I don't know. On one hand, it's like, honestly, the only part of like the host that I really like is the opening monologue. Because every bit in between sort of feels like it goes on too long, drags too long. And you just end up watching the presenters have these comedic bits too so i can see it working but it'll be weird because i won't know who to like 
who opens who count who do you count on you know like what what do you have to look forward to how do you know when a break's coming up you know yeah yeah i think it'll be a little bit weird i guess that they have done this for award shows in the past and yeah i i think that other than the opener like musical number or whatever they start the show with it really won't be an issue because you can have just presenters kind of like come out and present and do little bits in between but i think it is an interesting choice for me it's just surprising that they can't find somebody to host it well i was reading like an old interview with jimmy kimmel and he said and it didn't he just like said it really straight straightforwardly and it didn't feel like a joke that he was only paid fifteen thousand dollars to host the first time oh yeah so so it's like what (laughs) it's like why would anyone do it you know well, and if Beyonce's pulling down a million for some concert someplace, <laughs> yeah. like you're like, wait, my time's worth way more than this. Like, I don't know. Maybe they pay more, but that's what he said. So, and I guess probably like the people who they want, who are big stars, aren't going to do it for that amount, and the people right. who like would want the publicity for it, yeah, the the network doesn't want. You know, like they don't <laughs> want like right Michelle Wolf or whatever to host, <laughs> even though she probably would just to get like the you know the yeah. optics or whatever. But yeah, I know it'll be interesting to see what happens. Sort of sad that it's struggling this much, but yeah. But then on the actual like award side of things, this week we had the Screen Actors Guild nominations, Uh, which are sort of the first, like there's a lot of critics prizes, the Golden Globes are out, but the Screen Actors Guild Awards is voted on by people in the Screen Actors Guild. So actors, there's like thousands and thousands of them. And the acting branch is the biggest branch of the Academy. So there's a lot of overlap here between people voting on these awards and people voting on the Oscars. So these are usually like getting closer to the actual final nominees. Like we're kind of watching. Yeah, I know the nominees like gel as people kind of are repeatedly nominated for things. The biggest, the like top line issue with these awards is that, so they, They don't have a best picture category. They're only acting awards because they're actors Mm -hmm. voting on it. So they have like Mm -hmm. best actor, best supporting actor, you know, those kind of ones. But they also have a nomination for outstanding cast, which is for Mm -hmm. like all of the actors in a movie. (laughs) The best ensemble. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And the thing with Oscars is that nothing has won best picture without being nominated for this outstanding cast award in like 10 years. I mean, I think there might have been one or two, but it's like most of the time if something wins best picture, it's nominated in this outstanding cast category. So when this came out, people are like, well, these are our options for best picture now. And they are a rough slew of movies. (laughs) It is A Star is Born, Black Panther, Black Klansmen, Bohemian Rhapsody, Mm. and Crazy Rich Asians. So, like, (laughs) I'm looking at that list and trying to find something that I can get behind for Best Picture. And I like nothing that I want to win. I think it's going to be a star is born. Like, I'm sorry. I think it will be. (sighs) They just love celebrating their own, like, talent. So, it's like Bradley Cooper is an actor turned director. Like, oh my gosh, that's all these actors' dreams. So, they have to, like, celebrate their own. You finally made it, you know? But I was mostly surprised, like, some of these don't deserve ensemble. Like, Bohemian Rhapsody is only good because of Rami Malek. You know what I mean? So it just feels like a fake throwaway to be like, oh, yeah, this had the best cast overall. Like, no, it didn't. Like, it had one good person in it. That's great. But, like, to ignore the more impressive cast, like, 
I mean, even Widows, if you want to go to like a more commercial or the favorite, why wasn't that there? Or I don't know, just like something with a more impressive cast than freaking Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I don't understand this at all because the favorite was nominated for Best Actress Olivia Coleman and two yeah. Best Supporting nominations in <laughs> yeah. Emma Stone and Rachel Vice. So the so best it's actors, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so why isn't this in top? And on top of that, like Nicholas Holtz in that movie and is really good. Right. Joe Alwyn's in that movie and is good. <laughs> like there's, there is more than three actors in that movie. There's an ensemble, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and really if you're looking at this list, like A Star is Born has yeah. like maybe three people who are i mean it's bradley cooper lady gaga and sam i know exactly it's like what are you i think it is just because they've gotten it in their head that it's like oh we tell this tells what the oscars will be so we'll pick our favorite films now and they're not even thinking about what they're saying anymore because it's like i could name like 10 other movies that have better like Casts at least than Green what Book celebrating. had a better yeah. uh, had a better ensemble. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can see Black uh, Black Klansman. That seems like a good, a yeah. fine choice for this. It got two nominations for yeah, uh, D- John David Washington and Adam Driver. And then Black mm-hmm. Panther isn't going to win any Oscars for any of the <laughs> cast members, but there's a lot of great roles in there. Yeah, and the ensemble good. in general is doing a really good job. And I think that yeah. is deserve it. But Bohemian Rhapsody, definitely not. Crazy Rich yeah. Asians, for as fun as it is, like <laughs> should not have been in this it's thing. It's such an odd, yeah. And then A Star It's is just born. not a prestigious film. But it's also interesting, SAG like, didn't nominate any women of color in the movie categories which is weird because it's been such a good year i mean you have roma you have if beale street could talk obviously you have widows but no one really likes that i guess but then you have like you have a lot to pick through and they just totally disregarded it and it's just sort of upsetting well the biggest thing on that front is that the front runner for best supporting actress up until this point has been regina king for if beale street could talk and not only like is she not going to win this at SAG, but she wasn't even nominated. Instead, they nominated uh, um, Margot Robbie for Mary Queen of Scots, <laughs> which I think in general people are like, meh, whatever. And then Emily Blunt for A Quiet Place, <laughs> even though Emily Blunt is also nominated for Best Actress Dude, for she Mary got Poppins. It for A Quiet Place? I did yes, not see she that. She got that double noms. Double noms. Okay, everyone needs to stop talking about A Quiet Place. Like, it's a good entertaining flick. I don't know when it became an Oscar contender. Like, that is just insane to me. I mean, that scene of her in the bathtub is a really good scene. Like, she, that's good acting. You have to admit that. Yeah, no, there's a lot of good acting in a lot of commercial films that are not Oscar winners, but... <laughs> yeah. I think people just like but, Emily I mean, Blunt. I know. She is very likable. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes this year. I... I was looking at my like top list and I realized like compared to last year where a lot of my favorite films were also the like critical darlings like Lady Bird and Get Out and stuff like that. They all were up there. But now I'm like a lot of the movies that are getting hyped this year that are going to be like nominated for things are just not cracking my top 10. But you haven't seen The Favorite yet, right? I know, right? I know. I and you haven't to seen see Roma. Favorite, and if I did see Roma, I actually oh, really okay. liked that. Yes. And then I need to see if Beale Street could talk, which I think I'll probably love. Yeah. <laughs> so there are some that can still sneak in, but I'm just saying, it's been a weird year for movies because they've been good, but none of them have been like life favorites for me. Maybe you'll really like Vice. The Dick Cheney movie. Yeah, the one that's that seems like it would be embargo. very on brand for you. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah. Anyways, we can talk about one that did crack the top 10 because I am so excited to talk about this. If you're ready. I'm ready. Okay. So I'm excited for this one. I wrote this down when we were originally planning our outline for the year. So like way back when I was like, we need to do Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse because I think it's going to be a big deal. And you (laughs) literally erased it and replaced (laughs) it with the mule. The mule. I was so (laughs) upset when I saw that originally because I hadn't checked until like a couple weeks ago. And I saw that you had wanted to talk about the mule. And I was like, very (laughs) offended. So, yeah, like back in (laughs) August or September, we had been putting together like a list of, okay, these are the things we're covering. Like these are the different weeks that things come out. And you had put this Spider-Man cartoon movie on here, which I was like, (laughs) I don't know what this is. I haven't heard about this. Like, why is this on here? It's it just seems like it seems I was like I was putting it as an equivalent movie to like that Teen Titans Go movie or whatever that came out. (laughs) I was like, I don't know why she is putting this on here, but. But, and then it came out that Clint Eastwood is dropping this movie that he's like 90 <laughs> years old in called The Mule that same weekend. Nobody's seen it. He has done this no several times where he drops a movie mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. late December. It comes out yeah. and snatches up all this awards. This is what happened with Million Dollar Baby. <laughs> and it's what happened with American Sniper. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is a repeat. Yeah. And the only thing that's on the schedule for that week is this weird Teen Titans go like <laughs> Spider-Man movie. So I just like deleted it and put in the mule thought, oh, this is no big deal. Oh, and then so I get a text up. from Shelby that's like, why did you delete this? And I was like, the mule's going to be a big deal, Shelby. It's going to be yeah, a big you were deal. Like, oh, everyone's going to talk about the mule. Yeah. We- and I'm thinking to myself, like, there's no way anyone's seeing this Spider-Man movie. So I was like, okay, <laughs> we'll see who talks about which more, Shelby. Like, it'll yeah, be fine, I like, know. but it'll be the mule. And then in these last <laughs> couple weeks, it's just been racking up all of these yes. prizes. And everybody's been like, this is the greatest movie. And I was like, oh, It was frick. so vindicating. I was like, yes, I knew it. I called it. I saw it. And I sent you text after text of just screenshots of, like, Ugh. reviews and tweets about how good it was. <laughs> And here we are to talk about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So, I mean, I'm excited to know what you think. Do you want to let us know? Did you like it? Um, Yes, I was obsessed with this movie. It was so good. Yes! I wish we had sound effects in our podcast. I would just like blow a horn or like ring a bell. (laughs) Yeah, you should just get a horn and uh, (laughs) you'd like have it next to your desk or whatever. I mean, let's let's be real, Shelby. Uh, (laughs) Let's not get too big of a head because for every movie like this that you have selected that was a good pick, (laughs) I have also had to watch, you know, Ant-Man, Mission Impossible, that weird Blake Lively movie. (laughs) Like there was a lot of stinkers along the way. But this is one that I knew would be like a critical, critically acclaimed film too. So I'm just glad that I was right across the board. And now we can celebrate this because honestly, I've been telling people they have to see it and they give me the same sort of quizzical look or judgmental stare. It's like the animated one. And I'm like, yes, like drop what you're doing and go see this. And you have to see it in theaters because it's just so good. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. I saw it just like regular. I didn't see it 3D or IMAX or anything. Mm -hmm. But after watching it, I'm like, this would be so good in IMAX and 3D in like the around uh the whatever that theater is that where it's like it's like around you whatever that is oh, yeah. i can't remember the name of it it would be good in that 
It'd be good in anything. Good. It's good. It's great. I know. And it's just, I'm glad that it's doing so well because it's been like years in the works, which obviously all animated films have to be, but this one especially, they like had to create a new way of animating it, which I think is what makes it so interesting to people is that it is just so different. So it's not just an animated Spider-Man movie. Like it's, it's a fresh design. It's really well written. It's, it's just like a beautiful music it's just amazing all of it but i kind of getting ahead of myself i don't know <laughs> yeah so let's set it up so this is uh, a sony movie i believe and it's yeah. animated so it's not coming from one of the big like animation studios it's not pixar it's not illumination it's not dreamworks it's like a separate thing it's marvel but it's also not mm-hmm. like marvel cinematic universe um so it's not attached to that in any way and basically it's sort of a re well it's a little bit complicated, but it's like a completely new <laughs> Spider-Man saga that we haven't seen. It's Peter Parker is in it, but he's not the main character. The main character is this boy named Miles Morales who, uh, you know, gets like bit by a radioactive spider, gets Spider-Man powers. But he kind of stumbles upon this scene where the Peter Parker Spider-Man is confronting a bad guy who is trying to open up like the space time continuum and like get people from other dimensions. And somehow in that battle, the actual Peter Parker dies, but all of these other Spider-Men from other universes or dimensions come into Miles's world. And then all of those different Spider-Mans have to kind of like fight the bad guy to save the day. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's a really interesting movie because it's not just like one good guy, one bad guy. It's you have all of these different Spider-Mans from all of these mm-hmm. different places. And it's just so much fun and really well written, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's from the same people who did Lego movie, which I mean, yes. is not a surprise once you like it feels as fresh and like different and like sharp witted. So it's. It's fun to see. And I think it's interesting because, like you said, there's a lot going on. But it it works for audiences who've never, like, read a comic book. But it is also targeted towards, like, super nerds. So there's a ton of Easter eggs and references. And um, they just pay homage, obviously, to this comic book style, which is the inspiration for the animation. So it does feel like a comic book. And so Miles Morales is a character from the Spider-Man comic book universe. And so... In fact, all the Spider-Men are, I think. So it's sort of like, I'm not in that world, so I can't like speak to the level of detail, but it seems insane. And most of the huge fans of the comics are like, wow, yeah, they, they really went all out in like layering this in interesting ways from the universe, the comic book universe. So, Well, and one of the things that I thought was really fun is that at the beginning, they're kind of Miles is telling the story of the Peter Parker from his universe, like the Spider-Man from his dimension. And it's basically the Spider-Man that has been in all of the (laughs) other Spider-Man movies. So you get this like quick montage of like the upside down kiss and him like stopping the train from Spider-Man (laughs) 2 and whichever Andrew Garfield movie that was where he's like holding the different like buses on the side of the Brooklyn Bridge or whatever. Like, so you get all these clips but then that peter parker dies really quick in the movie and it's like okay now we got all of these other ones so it's fun (laughs) it's fun how it like kind of pays homage to all of the other spider-man movies but Mm -hmm. then quickly moves on from that into like a totally different direction which i think is fun yes it was so fun i mean obviously the main like wow factor for this film was the animation and 
I don't know if you like read into this, but it was crazy. It's a crazy process. And it's so intense that Sony's actually trying to patent it as like their design because they had to like create an entire new programming software, like way to do this. And I just, I want to go see it again because it was so visually like interesting to watch. And you just, it like had thought bubbles and the like action noises written out. And it was just like, there were panels sometimes page flips like it was really visually interesting and the way they did it was so they had the cgi animation first so they would take the cgi frames and then work on top of them to hand draw in 2d to make it look like the comic book panel um well so they had 140 animators working on this and it took them a one year to create a 10 second footage to show like what they could do to get like approval to continue it So they did 10 seconds in one year, basically, to like show that they could to create the programming to do this all. And so in the end, it was like they would work, they would have one week of manpower hours. So across these 140 artists, it would take them one week of man hours to do one second of the film, which is just crazy. What? But it was just like, yes. So it was just like so much work because... Every, yeah, so most animated projects, it's like a week's labor for like four seconds. But for this one, it was even more detailed. So it was a one week of like manpower hours for a single second of the film. Like one week of one man's hours or like... I don't know. I think it's just like the way they say it is just like it was a week of work. So basically, however they want to, I don't know how they defined that, but that is what they say. Whereas most it's a week of work for four seconds. So this movie just trimmed it down. So they were focused on one second of the movie, but everyone's working at the same time, right? So it's like if you have 140 people working on one. So it's actually 140 seconds each week. (laughs) <laughs> right probably okay okay if okay this makes, is okay. doing one yes. second then they're doing all this it the point is it is oh just gosh. crazy intensive and they're just like it's a 116 minute film everything's computer generated image and then it's followed by an overlay of hand-drawn art so it's just like it's wild if a train leaving a station at 30 miles an hour headed north, exactly. yeah, yeah, the train yeah, and the like, southbound. It's like, just a, it's just impressive. Just take our word <laughs> There's for that. There's a lot of it. Yeah, it's a really cool design because it sort of looks like pixelated. Like, I, it's not pixelated, but you know how in comic books there's kind of like that thing where it's right. like lots it's like of dots, dots or whatever? Yeah. yeah, that's how the whole thing looks. And the background is like kind of blurry but then kind of like mm-hmm. it, things come into focus there's also just a lot of very gorgeous shots of him oh yeah like when he's flying through the air you know when spider-man mm-hmm. is like flying through the air or falling through the air there's lots of cool shots yes. set out against the new york skyscape like background mm-hmm. the thing the thing that i left this movie with well with two things first i was like this is an amazing movie everybody should go see it the second thing mm-hmm pissed me off a little bit because i was like (laughs) i was like multiple times a year i am forced by some buddy or another to go and see some horrific like superhero movie and every time they're like (laughs) oh no this is gonna be good this is gonna be better and i'm like i don't like most superhero movies because they don't do a good job i'm like there are some that i like but those are rare and far between and like 
because people don't put a lot of like time and effort and work and thought <laughs> into the story of it. And watching this, uh-huh. which was so well done and reminded me, you know, like of The Dark Knight or something like mm-hmm. that, that, that is like a really great superhero movie. It just makes all of the other Marvel superhero movies look so <laughs> dumb and stupid. Like after watching that this, I was take. like, yeah. I was like, like, why am I going to see <laughs> the Thor movies or the Captain America movies or the like Iron Man I three mean, they're different. when they're, they're com- different genres, but, you know, <laughs> but like. Not really. I mean, they're superhero movies. This is a superhero movie. It has an origin. It has a bad guy. Yeah. It's just like so much more thought out. Right. And and even the, when it hits the moments of like, you know, a family member dying or something, it's just like it's in a way that's right. just a little bit different, a little bit more poignant than these big yeah. blockbuster Marvel movies. And I was like, why yeah. isn't Marvel like getting their act together and doing some new fresh things with all of these movies that they have? I know. I think part of the problem or the, the thing that worked with this movie is just the freedom they were given and they knew they wanted to make something fresh. They got together. They're like, we need to have a reason to tell the Spider-Man story again, because we've had so many Spider-Man movies in our lifetime, like just so many. And so their thing was, okay, we can take this Miles Morales character and that'll be interesting. So I think just having one, that new breath of life, you know, like you had the same thing happen with Iron Man originally, who was just so he wasn't a popular hero of I don't even think he was in the original Avengers if I remember I don't know I'm not a comic book person but I remember it was a surprise that people that they chose Iron Man to feature first but that movie turned out to be so fresh and fun because you know they were playing with new things they had freedom because there were no expectations for a movie like that but now Marvel has been burdened by its cinematic universe where they have to hit specific points they have to make specific characters and so it does feel more formulaic and kind of like you know there's a master planner and there's a lot of hands in the in the bucket like everyone is telling them what to do whereas here they were just like given this freedom to write a story write a movie create a design do whatever they want and it just had the added bonus of being like a new character and um sort of an interesting world to explore so i think it's just like hard to compare the two because for better or worse like marvel has become this you know, huge beast that needs some sort of control. And there's a lot of people telling people what they can and cannot do. And so it's just, yeah. Well, I understand that that's why this movie is better, but I don't (laughs) understand then why Marvel is... I mean, I do understand because they're making loads of money. Like, Aven- right. Avengers so Infinity War made so much yeah. money. So, like, <laughs> yes, I understand why they're doing what they're doing. But it's like yeah. if they feel like they don't have the freedom to make these fun, creative choices because they're so tied up in their cinematic right. universe, which has 9,000 movies, which makes even, like, Ant-Man <laughs> 2 a difficult movie to watch if you haven't seen seven other things. <laughs> Like, yeah, I don't understand why no, they're not like kind of peeling apart from that, especially if right. you have the last Avengers movie coming out in May. It seems like then that gives you a fresh start, but they're not. They're just going to try to like take the dregs <laughs> of the people in the this cinematic universe and put them like into a new version oh, of the hate the Avengers. Yeah. I hate them so much. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a this is a good movie. Yeah, oh, I loved this movie. 
But me loving this movie made me even matter that that people are making these drivel superhero <laughs> movies and trying to shove them down my throat. Like, did you think okay, that the but... Avengers movie was anything <sighs> even close to as good as this? I liked the Avengers movie. I think what the Avengers movie does well is it explores these characters that I have grown up loving, basically. They've been around for a while. It's been fun to see them interact. So for what the Avengers movie is, I think it does it supremely well. And it is an interesting story because I care about the characters in it. If you don't care about the characters in it, I can see why it's annoying and confusing and frustrating and dumb. But... I like happen to love a lot of the Marvel movies and I think Avengers proves that they did have a pretty cool end in mind for some of these character arcs. But I mean, <laughs> we're talking about Spider-Verse and I think it is acting outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't know. I think it like it works on its own and you don't have to worry <laughs> about it being tainted by the Marvel movies. I won't make you see another one except in Endgame. So. <laughs> and whatever the Brie Larson one Oh, is. and Captain Marvel. You're right. And I'm sure Sorry, that whenever the next promise. thing comes out, yeah. I got, <laughs> thank the Lord for Mary Poppins saving me from uh, Aquaman. But, uh, I mean, okay, th- this is my last thing on the Avengers stuff, and okay, then I'll, and then okay. we can move on. But this movie, if you had to rank all of the Avengers movies, or, I mean, not the Avengers, but, like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and uh-huh. then slot this one, like, in there. Like, which ones of those movies do you think are better than this one? No, I mean, I I love this movie. I think this movie is a great movie. I, I honestly, it probably is better than all of the Marvel movies. I just don't know if it's a fair comparison to make because they're operating in totally different ways and with different levels of constraints and for different reasons. Like... You have the Marvel movies that are action first and foremost. They're just, they're meant to be explosive. They're meant to have high stakes. Like they're just meant to be like visual action movies like Mission Impossible, whatever else, but with superheroes. Whereas this is like an, I don't know, like a highbrow animated film that's just having fun with its culture and the city and the design of it. But it is so an action movie. Kind of comp- <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. it's animated action, but it's action. It's not like this is Spider-Man, yeah. you know, sitting around discussing art with other Spider-Men. Right, right. I guess it's just like they just feel different to me, but I don't have the same vitriolic hatred for Marvel that you do. So it's like I can see the parallels between this and, say, Thor Ragnarok, which had a lot of fun with its characters. It breathed new life into a stale genre and it had a lot of fun visual um sequences so to me it's like oh well i can see like i don't think it's that far of a disconnect like between some of the best marvel movies like iron man thor ragnarok infinity wars but you won't (laughs) see that because you don't like those movies you know what i mean yeah but i mean well i saw infinity war and i and i also saw (laughs) and i really liked black panther earlier this year and i feel like i liked that for the same reason that i like this and that it was like interesting and fresh and didn't follow you know the same like right pattern that the other ones did um i guess switching topics like getting back into this Something that I also <laughs> felt really helped this movie was the score and the soundtrack. Yeah, the music so in this good. is so good. I like immediately went home and was like, okay, Spotify mm-hmm. playlist, downloading all of these songs <laughs> because the music just like lifts up the movie so nice. So good, yeah. 
it sort of like paired really well. I mean, first of all, this is a black Latino. Like he has this culture that they're totally comfortable like portraying. Plus he's in New York City, which has that urban feel. And so it just all made sense through the music that it just like felt like this teenager's headspace. You know what I mean? And it was just like not only the like songs they chose, which were so cool, but also the musical score they wrote, which just was so beautiful. Like I remember, I don't remember the villain's name uh, in like the purple cape, but whenever he would come on screen, there would just be like this synthetic like noise. And it was just like, oh, I loved it. I don't, (laughs) I don't know how to explain it, but I just thought the music was so interesting. And I think it fit with that like New York setting and this like teenage, Mm -hmm. you know, narrator and the and the fight scenes were so cool have you ever watched the original animated clone wars series the spider (laughs) or the star wars my rob made me watch a couple episodes yeah because because those are also really good and the animation style kind of like in the fight scenes especially that fight scene in the woods with doc ock where they're Mm -hmm. it reminded me a lot of that and i beautiful Yeah, I loved it. You know, we both lived in New York. You still live there. I thought this movie did such a great job of portraying New York in like not a cartoon way, even though it was a cartoon. Like the train system, the sounds, the like the like trash on the streets, the like cones everywhere. It was just like so beautifully rendered and like so like it was obviously in love with New York as a city and not just like oh Spider-Man's in New York guess we have to plop a few skylines in the background you know it felt like I could walk where he was walking almost and also in the attention to detail points mm-hmm. he's in Times Square at one point and there's a couple times where there's like lots of advertisements in the background and they're yes. all like spoofs <laughs> of other things like there's a at yeah. one point there's like a bridesmaids poster behind him but it says baby showers <laughs> There's an ad for John Mulaney's Mal- uh, show, Oh Hello, but it says yeah, Hi yeah. Hello instead. Like there was, a, <laughs> there's a FedEx truck instead of FedEx, it says Red X. It's like they're just so, it's yeah. so funny. Like everything, even like these tiny little details that you're only seeing for a I blip know. and it's only in the background. Like I would watch it again just to try to pick up more of those. <laughs> Yes, I have to. I mean, Coca-Cola is Coca-Soda instead. And the NYPD is PDNY. So it's just like a lot of fun little tiny details. He has a Chance the Rapper poster on his wall, but instead of the three (laughs) on the hat, it's the number four. Like, it's just, uh, it's so good. Yeah. And they're like watching Community in one episode, which is funny because Donald Glover was campaigning to be the first black Spider-Man and he ends up playing in the homecoming the most recent like live action marvel spider-man he's playing miles morales's uncle so it's weird it's cool it's a fun world that they're kind of twisted up in but they don't have to like really care about (laughs) i guess let's talk about some of the actors who are in this because as i was watching it like i kept hearing the voices and i was like oh my gosh that's so great (laughs) i mean the like of the other spider-men uh, Jake Johnson from New Girl is playing like the main mm-hmm. like Peter Parker, but yeah. Nicolas Cage is like the film noir Peter Parker, <laughs> and yeah. John Mulaney is the pig Peter Parker named Peter Porker, <laughs> and th- the yeah. two of them are just like so funny. Whenever they show up, it's great. <laughs> and also another cool thing which we hadn't really talked about. 
the other Spider-Men that come in from the other universes are from like different Mm -hmm. style of animation. So you're seeing like these various styles next to each other. And especially in there's a big fight scene at the end and there's like an anime Mm -hmm. Spider-Man. There's a, there's the pig Spider-Man who's like more of a cartoony feel. And there's like a, yeah, like a bang bow kind of, feel to him and then (laughs) Nicolas Cage's character is this film noir Spider-Man who's like in black and white and like very kind (laughs) of like gritty it's so but you're seeing all of these styles together and mixed together it's so well done artistically like you you just like can't take your eyes off of it I know and it's so like colorful and bright and just like confident in itself and I think you see that in the storyline too where everything has a purpose and it's not like there were gags just for gag sakes, like every character joke lent itself to like explaining the character, you know, like with film noir, with spider noir and like spider ham, you just got to know them because of their jokes instead of just like making jokes for the sake of jokes. And like all the dialogue was so sharply written and it was just like, even how they like would each tell their story of how they became Spider-Man, just like the differences. It was just so fun to watch. And like, it was just, it felt so energetic, just the way everything happened and like all of it came together and none of it felt wasted. Yeah. Lily Tomlin is Aunt May. She's really funny. Uh, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. Like, I could just sit here and talk for the next hour about how much I like this movie. Like, yeah. whenever we get to the point where it's like, will we see it later? Will you see it? Like, you should go see this now. <laughs> you should buy, like, the most expensive go ticket yeah. that you can go to see it in IMAX, whatever, and you should go. Yes. It's great for kids. It's great for I adults. Know. Like, if you are a single, lonely 85-year-old, you should go see this. If you are a mom with six kids yeah. you should go see this if you are like yeah. uh like two 14 year old girls you should go see this like everybody should see this movie. and obviously like yeah if you like superhero movies see it if you don't like matt you'll still love it i know so go see it i know every now and again we <laughs> get great. a superhero movie that is like transcendent <laughs> of that bottom feeding genre and this yes. is one of them i know i really didn't think anything could beat out incredibles 2 for best like my favorite animation but this blew it away like it's i'm sorry sorry to pixar but honestly this movie was some of the best animation i've seen in years yeah let's talk about the animated oscar race for a little bit because uh, i don't think we've really talked about that very much i think most of the contenders either we didn't cover or they came out before this Mm -hmm. as far as my research kind of goes i think that the contenders this year for best animated film are obviously spider-man into the spider-verse uh incredibles 2 which is pixar's film of the year Mm -hmm. and you know they're always a heavy hitter then you also have wreck it ralph breaks the internet the grinch and then two kind of (laughs) less less like typical choices in isle of dogs which was the claymation wes anderson movie from like march and then also this movie mirai which is an anime movie that i haven't seen um Mm -hmm. i don't know if Mm -hmm. it's out yet i think it might be like on streaming i'm i'm planning on checking it out but i haven't seen that have you seen it no i i feel like this has been a good year for animated films though in the fact that other than mirai i've seen all of these already and it wasn't like Mm -hmm. a i was my arm was twisted to go see any of these and really well except spider-man yeah well, yes yes yeah well by the time it came so around welcome. i was hyped to go right. see it 
It was just yeah. like back in August when you were like, this is going to be great. And I was like, Shelby, you're already making me go see so many of these stupid superhero movies. Like, I'm not going to see this so random weird. one that nobody else even cares about. Uh, yeah, <laughs> everyone cared. But no, it'll be, I think I will be shocked if Spider-Man doesn't win just because it did so much original, like with the animation alone, that it would be kind of embarrassing for the Academy to ignore that. But yeah, I mean, I can't, I don't know who else would be more likely to win. I guess Wes Anderson, but whatever. Well, I don't know. It, I feel like it's sort of a three-man race between this, Incredibles 2, and Isle of Dogs. Just in Isle of Dogs' yeah. is claymation, and it's Wes Anderson, who is a filmmaker who you know has gotten like best picture nominations before, like Grand right. Budapest Hotel. So I could see them going for that, but I kind of feel like mm-hmm. that came out a while ago. I I mean, it got yeah. fine reviews, I and I think it. people <laughs> liked it, but I don't. I don't. I'm not sure it had enough resonance that people who are voting in January are going to be like, yes, let's give it to that right. movie that I haven't seen or heard of in yeah. months. <laughs> I mean, like, never bet against Pixar because, like, when in doubt. Pixar is going to win. And I think Incredibles 2, which I thought it was fine, but a lot of people loved it. And that was a movie that like the first one people loved and have a lot of like fond nostalgia for and Brad Bird directed it. So I could definitely see that doing well. But I, but I like this one so much better. The Spider-Man. But this one's the one that's won everything so far, right? It's been like no contest. Hasn't it won every award it's been up for? Well, it's won a bunch of critics. Critic circle. Yes. Yeah. One, it's won a bunch of the critics awards, which sometimes is a precursor. Sometimes is not. I think that what, what will happen is the fact that it won all of those will definitely get it enough nomination and make people like me who are snobby think like okay i'll go see this and see if it's good but i don't yeah. know when it comes down to the That's actual true. voting all those snobs i forgot yeah well and i just i can't i can't remember off the top of my head who votes for best animated feature but i think it's everybody in the academy like some of the awards yeah. are voted on only by people in that field you know like visual effects is only voted on by like visual effects people but i think animated right. is voted on by everyone and i could definitely see there being people in that mix who don't go see <laughs> this movie because they think it's like a lame superhero, superhero movie yeah. <laughs> and maybe don't go see any of them but vote for Incredibles 2 because it's Pixar right. or they've seen that one and so they vote for it because it's good I don't know I Incredibles 2 for me was just kind of like meh like I loved the first oh, one I, I felt like it. the second one wasn't as good I don't know I was oh, I, I was whatever it. On I it. thought it was better than the first one really <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I thought the action alone was just so just like amazing to watch. And I really loved the character arcs. But but that's me. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess. Yeah. Yeah. This makes sense. But the point is Spider-Man. Great movie. Go see it. Happy. (laughs) Happy holidays. You know, this is a great one to just like go see it while you have this break, probably. Yeah. And with your family. Yeah. Like it's a great family film. You could take everybody to go see it. It's not it's not like there's nothing in there. It's rated PG. There's there's like yeah. nobody who can't go see it who's over the age I of know. like five. I, I know. <laughs> the only thing I yeah, would say good. is like if you have a small boy, it, it might be better not to go see this because then he's going to want a million Spider-Man toys and the costume yeah. <laughs> and everything for the next couple of years. And it's going to be miserable for you. But, you know, that's a risk you can take. No, it's a great one. It's the first black Spider-Man. Like, go out and support, you know, he's great. He's cool. Yeah, for sure. 
for sure. But um, do you have any uh, anything else you'd recommend? Any love it or hate it? Yeah. So I am going in a slightly different direction this week. I don't think that we've talked about any Broadway shows before because a lot of people don't live in, in New York um, oh, yes. who listen to this. I know, yeah. I know. I'm so, I'm so highbrow and fancy. And I go see things, yeah, I don't know, like decently regularly, but... I thought that this would be fun to bring up because the new To Kill a Mockingbird play just opened on Broadway. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jeff Daniels is in it as Atticus Finch, and it's Aaron Sorkin wrote it. So it's based on the novel, but Aaron Sorkin... And I think there have been other play versions of this as well over the years, but Aaron Sorkin, who wrote West Wing, um, has kind of... And like Moneyball and The Social Network and a bunch of different things you know, wrote the script based on the book and kind of like changed some things, tweaked some things and made this Broadway show. And there was a lot of drama going in or kind of surrounding it throughout this process because Harper Lee, the author of To Kill a Mockingbird, died and kind of like the people who are running her estate had some issues (laughs) with original, with like an early draft of this. And it kind of came out that they were like, trying to block the production of it. They didn't want it to happen. Then Aaron Sorkin's camp of people kind of said, oh no, they like, we settled all of this. They like, they didn't, they misunderstood what we were trying to do. We cut some things, but the draft that they saw was an early draft. We were going to cut these things anyways. We didn't, we didn't actually change anything that we didn't want to. And so people were sort of like either a, this is going to be some kind of like hacked up stitched together version that doesn't really make sense. Or B it's going, to be something that like Aaron Sorkin is putting his like political views into and it's not going to be the actual story and people who like the book aren't going to feel like it's an accurate representation and I and this is a property where the book is obviously extremely well loved like everybody reads this in high school every like nobody doesn't like this book and then the movie version that came out back in like the I don't know, maybe like the forties is with Gregory Peck is like one of the most beloved movies of all times. It's always described as like the best book to movie adaption like ever made. And so people were like, Oh mm-hmm. gosh, like this Broadway show is going to be a hot mess, but I saw it and it's actually really good. They, it, mm. it has the same feel to the book. Jeff Daniels is great as Atticus. I'm sure as you can like imagine him with yeah. his Southern accent, he's just like so warm and such <laughs> like a kind father. The only real difference, I mean, it's a play. So there's obviously some scenes from the book or the movie that are kind of like pulled out and they restructure it. So basically it's taking place in the plot line of the trial that's in the book. And then they're kind of like flashing back to things instead of having the trial be at the end. It's kind of like cut up throughout, but I really liked it and thought it was very like, does a very good job of staying true to the material. It kind of updates some things a little bit. So like Calpurnia, who's the, their like housekeeper in the book kind of has a bigger part in the play and kind of is more active. But I thought, Hmm. I really thought that they did a nice job with it. And, you know, if you're in New York or I would have (laughs) probably, I would imagine that this is probably going to tour, you know, sometime in the next couple of years. So I would definitely say like, if you're a, to Kill Mockingbird fan, and you have the opportunity to check this out, I definitely would. Yeah, I'll, I look forward to seeing it in like five years at a high school production, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure <laughs> if it'll be good it. then. Yeah. But 
Yeah, well, I'll hold you to it. You come back to no, New York exciting. every now and again. You can wait in line for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Get cheap tickets. Yeah, that's right. I'll do, yeah. The, the rush tickets are only $29. <laughs> so that's the amount that I paid oh, for this. Nice. I'm not about oh, to perfect. pay, you know, like $200 to go see one of these shows. But 29 I can do. <laughs> that's not bad. Yeah. No wonder you thought it was good. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> How dare you? I, <laughs> I have something I love, too. And it's sort of off the beaten path. But the Hollywood reporter does these roundtable discussions with like actors and directors and whoever else they think are going to be up for Oscars. So, (laughs) I mean, they did one with actresses, which was pretty good, but this week's was directors. And so, I mean, they had like uh, Alfonso Cuaron from Roma and they had Spike Lee for Black Klansman and they had, I don't know, a couple others and then they had Bradley Cooper. Oh, gosh. And so I'm, like, not a huge fan of A, a Star is Born, which we know. I can recognize that it was, like, a good film, whatever. But I think he's sort of... Anyways, I just Bradley Cooper is one of those guys who's maybe a little overhyped for me. But watching him at this <laughs> director's roundtable with these directors who've been, like, slaving their lives, like, doing the work, you know, putting their nose to the grind. And he's sort of asked, first off, he's like, why did you decide to become a director? And he's like, oh, like, I just had to tell stories about, like, men and women and love and <laughs> and everyone's reactions. They're just, like, giving him these, like, cold stares. Yes. Just, like, blank, judgmental stares. It's amazing. But later on, someone was like, well, why now? And he was like, oh, just uh, mortality. And... <laughs> And Alfonso Caron literally laughed out loud. Like he literally laughed out loud and made fun of like him saying mortality. And then when Bradley Cooper kind of glanced at him, he was like, oh, I mean, and sort of like nods to say <laughs> it is an amazing moment. I loved it so much. It made the whole boring discussion between everyone worth it. But it was just sort of like made me realize, like, I can't believe Bradley Cooper is probably going to win. And I was watching all these directors watch, realize the same thing. They're like listening to him talk and trying to be fake deep. And like, this is like, you know, Spike Lee and Roma. Like, these are great films that like truly tried something different. And here's this guy who wrote a who who directed the fourth remake of a love story. You know, I don't know. It just kind of made me sad. Well, so, I mean, it it definitely, I hate them. I mean, I, I don't hate that movie. I hate that movie in comparison to the other Oscar movies. You know what I mean? Right, like, if it was exactly. nominated against Mission like Impossible sad. and Ant-Man, I'd be like, yes, let's give it an award. <laughs> but in the grand scope of this year in cinema, it should not win Best Picture, right. which I think I is know. very likely too. But yeah, the Best Director <laughs> race, I think, is really interesting I don't think that Bradley Cooper is likely to win that because, okay. <laughs> well, just because I I think that the 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 main competition for Best Picture is like Roma, which is a Netflix film in black and white, and Spanish. Mm-hmm. So I think that has some strikes against it. The Favorite, which everybody really likes the acting in, but might be a little bit weird for some of the Academy members. You know, Black Klansman, which I think is similar in the fact that it's a really good movie, but it has some, like, elements to it, especially at the, the like, kind of twist ending, sort of, that yeah. might be jarring to people who are voting. So I think that A Star is Born might be, like, the safest, tamest option for Best Picture. <laughs> but I think when, yeah. for Best Director, I think that's a place where they could 
vote for Quaron just to like because that movie is so beautiful even if they don't and so well done even if they right. don't want to give it best picture also Spike Lee has famously never been nominated for an Oscar yeah. and he has such a great career that I think he could also win that award I just don't really foresee them giving that to first time director Bradley Cooper but the interesting thing is is that at the beginning of this award season when Stars Born came out, everyone was kind of saying, like the critics, okay, Bradley Cooper is going to win Best Actor, sort of to not only because he's a good actor in that movie, but also because he made that movie. So, sort of like bonus points because you're the director, but we're going to give you that Best Actor trophy. But he has been actively campaigning yeah. for Best Director, not for Best Actor, because I think he, like in his mind, thinks like, "Ah, oh, I'm a director now. Like that's what I'm going for." Yeah. So I sort of feel like he it it could end up being a situation where he's trying to get best director but doesn't because he has these other people who are just like outgunning him a million times over and then because he's putting (laughs) his efforts in campaigning for that he ends up not winning best actor either because someone like Viggo Mortensen or Christian Bale kind of like comes in and sneaks that one out from under him while he's not looking (laughs) so I mean he could end up winning all best picture director and actor but I sort of feel like I sort of feel like he's not going to get away with all three. Something's going to get wrestled out of him. <laughs> I hope. I mean, hopefully all three. The problem is, yeah, the problem is Hollywood loves like supporting their own, you know, like it's like Bradley Cooper was an actor turned director. So now he's got to get it, you know, because every other actor wants to become a director. And so I don't know. I feel like the votes might be split. Yeah, but there's also this element of kind of like group shame that I think goes on a little bit like like it happened with La La Land where when everybody's pointing at you and kind of saying like the white old Hollywood people would vote for A Star is Born like you don't want to be that (laughs) do you that there is some second guessing and with this new academy that has like several hundred new members who are mostly younger people and people from like other countries or people of color that I think that it might not be as sure a bet when it's up against things like like Spike Lee or like um right. you know like a Ryan Coogler but I don't know right. so I don't know. I think he'll he'll definitely yeah, win it'll something be interesting. but I'm hoping that he doesn't win everything and really <laughs> praying every night that he doesn't win best picture. That would just be insufferable. <laughs> yeah, well. I know it'd be bad but you guys should all check out the Hollywood um, report roundtables because they are just fascinating to watch these guys talk and like their egos come out. But Bradley Cooper's bit was especially funny just because I don't think the other ones respect him. The Lady Gaga, oh, yeah. I felt like had a similar thing where she's with like Glenn Close <laughs> yeah. and they're all sort of <laughs> like, how like, is okay. this person? Like, how is she here? And she's talking about like her art and whatever. And, and everyone's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. okay, yeah, you were in one movie where you played yourself. Yeah. Like, good job. <laughs> The last thing you were in was Machete. I love them. They're so fun. I love the round table. So more to look forward to, but I can't believe we're done for the year. I know. Uh, This has been a good, this has been a good year. I'm glad that we decided to do this. It's been so much fun. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. But no, it's been fun. And I think we'll have a good early, we'll have a good start in January with all the, we'll catch up on all the Oscar contenders probably and have some end of year list to 
to try and round out. So it'll be good. Yeah, we have the Golden Globes, Oscar nominations, oh, yeah. the actual Oscars. Oh, yeah. Plus, you and I have been hard at work getting our like <laughs> film rankings done. I still have I, know, I still have so like painful. a list of movies that I need to watch, but yeah. as these nominations kind of come out, I'm sort of like slowly slicing things off the list that I'm like, okay, I probably don't need to see that. Okay, I probably don't need to see <laughs> yeah, that. So. Like, yeah, never mind. Yeah. Because I'm almost at seventy yeah. movies that I've seen this year. Me too. So, it's insane. It's a lot. <laughs> it's way too much. Oh, we need lives. But <laughs> <laughs> We do it for our fans. So thanks for listening, you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we will be back in January with a new episode. Um, But until then, you can follow us on social media. You can leave us reviews. That'd be really great of you all. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you again in 2019. Yeah.